This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Friday morning, everyone. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. This is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt, who's still away, but he'll be back very soon. Here with Terry South and Cole Wissinger. We've been having some fun this morning talking about language after we just listened to the BBC News, talking about our favorite and least favorite words that uh, the Brits mispronounce, or I guess they pronounce it and we've mispronounced it. Well, they had the language first. Yeah, their go-to argument is it's called English, they're England, you know. Let's not get hung up on who started what language. But uh, I was telling Terry, I'm not sure where I stand on the word schedule. And your favorite word was... Aluminium. Aluminium. Coal. I'm a big fan of the spelling um, differences and their pronunciation of the letter Z as Z. Oh, yes. Which is shared by their Canadian... They add add E to a lot of words. They add U and U. And U, like color. Sometimes there's S's instead of Z's or Z's. I I always get thrown on on the, like, you know, the the person went to hospital. Right? Here it's the hospital. There Mm. it's just hospital. So it's not just the word hospital. They do, you know, university. They do it all kind of, all these different, like, institutional sort of names. They drop the V that we put in there. We have holidays. They go on holiday. Yeah. Hmm. But, you know, in the end, we're not all that different. No comment from anybody on that. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'll we'll sound to, pretty different. We'll yeah. have to see. So, and I, I mentioned that if I, if I grew up in Great Britain, I would have a Cockney accent because I'm from Southern California and we tend to, you know, kind of just be a little, I don't want to say lazy in our speech, but just laid back, I think is the correct term for that. Cole, you're from Pennsylvania. Where do you think – what kind of a, a British accent would you have? Well, OK. So I'm from the hick part of central Pennsylvania though. Ooh. So it would probably be the kind of British accent that no one can understand because um, that's so – I like, can barely understand people when I go home. Like Brad Pitt in the movie Snatch kind of accent. Well, that's just a bad <laughs> accent. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And today, uh, if you are around BYU, then it's no secret that today is BYU Football Media Day. And apparently we were not supposed to park in a certain parking lot. Mm-hmm. And a certain employee did park in that parking lot. You. And uh, well, I wasn't going to name names or anything. but uh, It's okay. I did. I took care of it. <laughs> Fortunately, with all the festivities, no one's listening now, right? They're just – that's important yes. around here. They're waiting for the – the good stuff later on. So normally I drive a red oh. Toyota Camry. So if you want to tow my car, try to find the red Toyota Camry Solara. Good luck because I may or may not have driven that car in today. Is your other car registered to park on campus? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm good to go. That's that next step you have to do or else yeah. you get that parking ticket. We've got an amazing show for you today. It's kind of a condensed show. As we said uh, earlier this week that we were donating our third hour to BYU Sports Nation. They've been doing such a good job that, you know, they they need more. Uh, they're struggling. Hmm. Let's be honest. They're struggling. They need more time on the radio to try to get some more listeners. And uh, we're going to have a great time because we're going to be speaking with Karen Mangum, who is Tanner Mangum's 
mother, but we're not allowed to talk about that. Or at least Matt says he's well, not going to talk about it, and then he does anyway. Karen Mangum is a nutritionist by by craft, right? That's what she does for a job. And yes. so she has a lot of information. She's going to talk about summer fitness and some I'm easy excited. recipes and stuff. You know, so it's topical. It's that. But, I mean, Matt says – he, he, I guess the pitch when he first talked to her is we're not going to talk about your son. We just we were we were looking for someone to talk about nutrition yes. and someone who we could bring on and you know develop some sort of rapport with and not just have some random person from somewhere and and every time she comes in all all Matt wants to talk about is her son <laughs> I'm like well Matt the whole point was but we did this before we had uh, the former BYU football coach Bronco Mendenhall mm-hmm. we had his wife on and that was kind of the pitch is we're not talking about your husband but all Matt talked to her about was her husband what does she do. She uh, manages uh, the the football coach and five or what three boys. So okay. she came in and talked a few times about you know some things that she did. She had some uh, professional pursuits before. She kind of set those aside for her husband to to pursue his his job. So we talked about some of those things. There were some topics that way. But every time it just went back to the football program and the football coach, which well, really wasn't the point of the interview. But it's yeah, what happened. she's got a good topic. Yeah. She's going to give us some good pointers on how we can slim up in summer of 2017. I'm excited to hear that. We're also going to be sharing a story about how some uh, dog doo doo mm. led to somebody going to jail. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting story that we'll have shortly here really, on the Matt Townsend it Show. Really escalated quickly in, in the uh, the confrontation over. Really, anything with doo doo is it's going to escalate bad. very quickly. Bad, yeah. But before we get all to that, Terry, what is going on around the rest of the country? The hackers who targeted U.S. state and local election databases last year were successful in altering voter information. At least once, officials told Time magazine. Mm -hmm. Investigators have not yet identified whether Russian agents are behind the alleged alterations. Private data was also stolen, including driver's licenses, numbers, and the last four digits of Social Security numbers. Congressional investigators and special counsel Robert Mueller are looking into whether the Trump campaign received any of the stolen information. That's the whole point of the investigation. They'll probably find that nothing... Like transpired that way to kind of you know finish the loop, I guess that people are looking for. But people were trying to break into the records, and apparently, in some cases, they did. Aha! Uh-huh. Now, how much what what effect that had on anything? That's what they're trying to figure out. A federal appeals panel upheld a ruling Thursday that overturned the murder conviction of an inmate featured in the Netflix series Making a Murderer. Did you ever watch that? Oh yeah. So Brendan Dassey, he's the kid, oh. not not the actual, not the guy that was like the main focus right. of the show, the nephew. but the nephew, Brandon, uh, Brendan Dassey, was sentenced to life in prison for the 2005 murder of photographer Teresa Halbach. The panel affirmed that Dassey, who was 16 years old at the time, was coerced into confessing when investigators made the, him uh, multiple f- false promises. Now, if you watch the Netflix documentary, it's so that's sad. the one thing that stood out was that was weird. Yes. What they did to that kid was really odd the way that because they had video of the entire yeah. interrogation they did of him. And uh, states' attorneys can retry Dassey or appeal the decision to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, the I forget the guy's name, but the main, the uncle, the main perpetrator, yes. he looks pretty sketchy. But this yeah. kid looks like they railroaded him. So. That was the saddest part of the documentary. You yeah. just really feel for this kid. He, he didn't seem like he was... Uh, all the way there mentally, and they say they took advantage of okay, that. Okay, so. I'm sorry. I, I take that back. Yeah. The saddest part of the documentary is the fact that this woman was well, murdered or absolutely. supposedly. So, yeah. 
that was it. So uh, other news, Facebook approaches, as they f- approach 2 billion monthly users, its mm-hmm. CEO Mark Zuckerberg revealed a new mission statement. Do you remember their old mission statement? No. Okay. I just I don't think anyone did, so we'll get to that. It says their new new mission statement is give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. Actually, shouldn't it just be uh, look up old flames and try to find somebody's contact info? Sure, but you know you want to have something people. that's like empowering and building and all that. So that's rather not why than having are using it. yeah, I know. Rather than have the new mission just be a philosophy, Zuckerberg says Facebook is turning it into a goal. We want it to help one billion people join meaningful communities if we can do this it will not only reserve reverse the whole decline in our community membership we've seen around the world but it will also strengthen our social fabric and bring the world closer together right now facebook considers there to be only 100 million meaningful group members Hmm. so people in facebook groups are you a part of any facebook groups uh, yeah, but, you know, probably not knowingly. Right. And then they don't count necessarily all those groups as being meaningful. Right. So, By the way, I keep putting my foot in my mouth. I don't personally go onto Facebook and look up old flames. You just admitted basically to No, it, I so. say Same. that's usually what weird. people do. On and then the fact you're trying to cover your tracks oh, always makes you look guilty. The old mission statement, just for a note, was making the world more open and connected. See, I like that one better. Yeah, but it led to... Uh, our, our information bubbles, it led to people online trolling each other because it was open. Now they're trying to figure out a way to power, uh, well, give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. So stop the conflicts. Hey, that movie Trolls was actually really good about the all those people that get online and and uh, just troll each other. Yeah, sure. In the comment um, section. And uh, finally, a Miami man accused of flooding consumers with 96 million phone calls touting fake travel deals faces a record proposal, a record proposed $120 million fine from the federal regulators who said he operated the worst robocall spoofing effort they'd had, had ever seen. Adrian Abramovich tried to trick customers into answering and listening to his advertising message. The FCC uh, says in a new a news release Thursday, the pace of calls works out to an average of more than one million calls a day. Oh, my goodness. Calls appeared to be coming from local numbers, but those who answered were pro- uh, prompted to press one to hear about a vacation deal, according to the FCC. If they did, consumers were then connected to call centers not affiliated with companies mentioned in the message. They would mention Expedia, TripAdvisor, Marriott, Hilton, and then you'd mm-hmm. press one, and that would actually transfer you off to a call center in Mexico where they were trying to get you into some kind of resort that wasn't involved <laughs> with any of those names. Um, they said they pressed one. They were transferred to the Mexico call centers where operators attempted to sell vacation packages, often involving timeshares, Ah, which is where the scam comes in. I am very familiar with these calls, not only because I get them, but I may or may not have seen some voiceover scripts for these oh, types really? of calls. Uh, and a lot of people don't know this. My wife didn't know this. But, you know, if you wait long enough, if you just let them keep talking on the message, there's an option to opt out of those phone calls. Yeah, but yeah. then usually they'll just call you back under a different phone mm-hmm. number. So They just keep changing the numbers. So you can't block it. You can block a number and they'll just jam. Yeah, it's frustrating. That's all my – my. we have a – a landline at my mm-hmm. house, and my wife and I both have cell phones, of course, but we have a landline, and we're debating what to do with it because the only th- people that call us there are, uh, you know, like telemarketers, robocalls, exactly. that kind of thing, yeah. and our moms. <laughs> 
Your moms, are, they're still holding out, huh? Yeah, they still call the, the, the so, phone. It's like, we just call our cell phones because I don't want to have to stand up from the couch. I have my phone. Just call the phone. <laughs> if you get rid of it, though, that means you won't get calls from telemarketers or mother-in-laws. Well, they'll call my cell phone finally because they have to reach us. And you'll lose out on the triple play deal that you have with your cable and your internet. Yeah. They're That's really holding on my parents if, on. If, if you look into those, they're not really that much of a deal anymore. I know. Why are they holding on to those for dear life? Why can't they just make it part of like a cell plan? Yeah. You know? I don't know. Oh, doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Um, I want to share the story because I don't know if we'll have time to uh, get right. to it later. Are we talking to BYU Sports Nation? Are I, d- we doing I doubt that? it. Okay. They're probably they're really a little busy. busy. They're, they're getting – usually we're interrupting them getting makeup for their TV show when we talk to them. So the, today I think they're getting double layered makeup. Yeah. More more of like with the spackle knife where they really layer it on and make it look really yeah. nice for TV. So, yeah, By the way, they, they, uh, they love the makeup. They stay in it even after work. I ran into them at Costco. Hmm. They're all dolled up. They looked great. Oh, nice. As they ate their hot dogs. That eyeshadow is hard to get out at times. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's the story. Two men's argument over dog waste turned a uh, dog waste, that's a good way to put it, turned violent and left one with a knife wound on his hand, according to a police report recently made public. Ricardo Garcia Sanchez was arrested Tuesday and charged with aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. Police say Garcia Sanchez is a property maintenance worker at the West Palm Lane Apartments Complex on South Sequoia Drive and took issue with a resident who thought uh, uh, who he thought was allowing his dog to defecate on the property and the owner was not cleaning up after the animal. This is kind of a standard problem. You see it everywhere you go at the park. I lived in a townhome where the neighbors did not clean up after their dogs, right? So it, it happens, right? Nothing out of the ordinary yet. Yet. Police said Garcia Sanchez grabbed the victim by the neck and began punching him. Okay, that's probably that a little is out, out of line. the ordinary. Yeah. Okay. After the victim was able to free himself, he saw Garcia Sanchez with what he told police was a carpenter's knife. Not even sure what a carpenter's knife. Like, is that like a Swiss Army knife? It's certainly not a butter knife. You whittle with it. Um, the victim. Uh, sorry, I don't want to make light of this, but we are talking about. Uh, dog doo-doo. The victim said he put his hands in front of his face when Garcia Sanchez began swinging the knife. The knife made contact with the victim's left hand once, cutting his left middle and ring finger, police said. When police arrived, Garcia Sanchez approached them and said he was involved in the incident. Well, good for him for manning up to it. He admitted to confronting the victim about his dog and said the property manager and several residents had made similar complaints. However, Garcia Sanchez denied ever having a knife in his possession and told police he was unaware of how the victim was injured. Hmm. Wow. That brings to mind Monty Python. You're, you're, you're cut. Your hand's cut. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> how, how did that person's uh, fingers get all cut? I don't know. Yeah. I, oh, my goodness. So would you rather have your hand all sliced up or be incarcerated? Oh, neither. <laughs> no, you have to choose. Okay. That's the rule um, of the dog doo doo game. I'll take the hand in a in, all sliced up in a blender kind of option. Ooh, I don't like that image. Oh my goodness! Well, it just it goes to show you that even you shouldn't do these things over dog doo doo. I understand it's annoying. It just it gets stepped in and it's a nuisance. And people do it and aren't, you know, considerate of other people. But come on, people. A carpenter's knife, which I still 
Don't even know what that is. Hopefully Cole can Google a picture of that for me. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be speaking with Karen Mangum, who's going to be talking to us about summer fitness and easy summer meals. I'm really excited because she's got five tips on what we can do. And number five, I'm especially excited about because I think it's the the thing that I'm having the most problem with. We'll take a break and cover that topic when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. This is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt, who's still away. He's probably lying down on the couch, binging on Netflix, and, you know, rightly so. He's he's kind of had a rough go of it for a little while, but he got the help that he needed, and he'll be back soon. And, uh, it, you know, his loss is my gain because I have the privilege of speaking with Karen Mangum, who is here to talk to us about... What we can do to make sure that we have a healthy and slimmer summer in the year 2017. And uh, if Mangum sounds familiar, it's because she's the mother of one Tanner Mangum. And Matt says that he's never going to ask you about Tanner Mangum. And then his very first question inevitably is about Tanner Mangum. Karen Mangum, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thank yeah. you. And it was exciting to know that we know similar people. You've, you know who my brother and sister-in-law are. and you... That was a nice connection. Yes. They live right down the street, and I had no <laughs> idea we had that connection. That's great. So I'm really excited that you're here today um, because – this is something that's on my mind, and it's it's something that I struggle with, and I'm sure a lot of people that you talk to struggle with, uh, and not just trying to be fit for the summertime, but to to be able to come up with some some ways to have sustainable change as far as your health is concerned. So tell us about some of these tips that you have for, for being slim in 2017. <laughs> I say go lean in 17. Yes. You know, summertime is really one of the best times to initiate these kind of habits because you've got a longer day period, lots of daylight, and the summer mornings really are the best. In fact, even coming in here today, I was so impressed with all the people out walking, on their bikes. I mean, that's probably the number one thing is get moving. Yeah. No matter what time of year. And I hear a lot of excuses from my patients, things like, it's too hot or you know, in the the winters this year, it's too cold. And <laughs> and everyone's got something that they can use as an excuse to not move. You and, know what you could say in rebuttal to the what? it's too hot? You could say, well, go live in uh, Phoenix right now. <laughs> yes. And I, in fact, have a brother in Phoenix <laughs> oh, who is melting down oh there. Goodness. And they, of course, live in their pool or air conditioning. But <laughs> And he's a biker. And so he rides very, very early in the morning. That's how he just gets up and goes. And I'm always so impressed with how he's able to get out and move in that weather. There are ways. There's always ways. In fact, for a lot of my patients, I'll say, you know, just walk, go over to Walmart, go to Costco, go to some big building and walk the perimeter inside before you do any kind of shopping. Oh, that's a good idea. Just walk. A lot of malls will open up their doors. But with one patient in particular this last week, I had a good experience and we were just trying to come up with something, some way to get her to get moving. And, you know, the gym just wasn't exciting to her. It wasn't something that she wanted to do or saw herself um, doing. Uh, And so 
I just said, well, what do you like to do? And she said, you know, I really wanted to do country dance. But where she lives, it's not accessible. Yeah. So we started exploring YouTube and just – she has a computer. She's got um, Netflix even. And you can find all kinds of activities or um, um, – you know, videos that you can do at home. And she kind of got excited about that and thought, I could do that. I could I could follow these videos at yeah. home. That's easy. I, I especially love the idea about walking the perimeter of the store before you go shopping. We do that every time we go to Costco, but then <laughs> I'm also picking up samples along the exactly. way. And then a churro ends up in our cart somehow. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll have to take another look at that one. No, there's a lot of walking. In fact, you know, um, I just got back from a trip in New York City with my daughter who's just graduated. And um, I honestly didn't see a lot of overweight people in New York City. And yeah. largely because there's so so much walking. Right. And, yeah. and in a lot of big metropolitan cities, there's so much walking. So we got to think about that. Kind of rearrange your life so that either you park far away and walk in, you use stairs. Those things do matter. And everyone's got an opportunity to get out and walk. So and, and just go get a dog. Hmm. Go get a dog so that you are forced to walk that dog. I'm glad that my girls are not listening right now because <laughs> I don't know if we're ready for them to have a dog just yet. Okay, so that's the first one. Get moving. Yeah, get and, moving. And, uh, and focus on what you love to do. That's exactly. great. Exactly. That's, that's great. important. And then, you know, studies show that if you eat breakfast in the morning, you actually have an elevated metabolism. And it's all about getting that metabolism going. So, metabolism growing rather than metabolism slowing. Mm -hmm. And breakfast is really the best way to do that. And it doesn't have to be much. It just has to be some kind of protein. So what'd you have this morning, Jeff? I had a banana and one of those, uh, you know, those, oh, they're so like good. Bar? Sweet, sweet and salty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yogurt uh, bar or something like that. Well, it wasn't yogurt, but oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I know what you mean. Sweet and salty yeah. bar. Yeah. And so you've got a little protein in there. Try to choose one maybe that would have a little more protein. But the nuts are good, too, because we want healthy fat. And sure. that's a good healthy fat right there. Yeah. So, um and then some kind of fruit or vegetable. So we've got the protein, some kind of a healthy fat, and then some kind of a, a fruit or vegetable. You could also throw in a grain if you are super active and need those carbohydrates to help you, like your banana provided a yeah. fair amount of, of protein for you. But on my food blog, I've got lots of great ideas of how to put together high-protein um, like yogurt bowls mm -hmm. or smoothies, um, egg ham muffin cups that you make. Like you, you, you know, you whip up your eggs and your ham and yeah. your vegetables, and you throw them into little muffin cups and bake those ten minutes, and you've got these great little cups that you can use all week long. All of these sound way better than what I had for breakfast this <laughs> Me morning. Me too, actually. <laughs> so um, we actually we told a story a, a, probably a month or two back about this man who had a he was only eating bacon. He oh, would eat oh. bacon every day, and he was actually losing weight. <laughs> now that that obviously isn't sustainable, but right. uh, it was it was interesting. 
Uh, yeah. Well, if you eat if you eat a small amount of anything, you'll probably lose weight, and <laughs> and that probably takes us to our you know a, a really important tip, and that is to really listen to your signals of hunger and fullness. We can talk about those uh, more, but um, that is so key to really really listen. You you were, we were born with signals that told it, that tell us when to eat and when to stop eating. Yeah, and for some reason, when culture hits the spoon or whatever reason, we just stop paying attention. So most of my patients who I, I actually do bariatric um, nutrition, meaning people who have weight loss surgery. Hmm. And uh, you know what? Their signals are way out of whack. Yeah. Because they've that would be so confusing. Ignored, they've ignored those signals over a period of time, over and over, and um, their bodies have stopped listening. And um, so they don't really know when to stop. And so physiologically, that makes it difficult. So weight loss surgery kind of re-engages um, those signals in a, in a kind of a mechanical way at first, but eventually they do become very, very good at listening to those signals. And yeah. that's how they drop the weight because they eat such little amounts. Karen, let's do this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to get to the other couple of tips that you have for us here. And I actually want to dive deeper into this uh, tip that you're sharing right now, which is listening to your body and all the cues. And, and uh, so we'll do that. We'll take a break. And when we return, we'll continue our discussion with Karen Mangum here on The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Townsend Show. We're speaking with Karen Mangum, who's a licensed registered dietitian. She's also a seasoned recipe developer, food blogger, and nutrition consultant. She's the author and producer of Inside Karen's Kitchen, a healthy food blog, where she shares recipes that nourish and heal, along with insightful nutrition musings, which attempt to sort fact from fiction. You can find some of those recipes on her website at InsideKarensKitchen.com. Karen Mangum, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show. Thank you very much, Jeff. So we, you've been giving us some tips on how we can be slim in 2017. And, uh, you know, everybody puts a lot of emphasis on having that nice summer body. And then, of course, when it goes to fall and winter, we kind of slip back into some of our old habits. So you're giving us some tips on how we can have a more sustainable, healthy lifestyle. You've already shared with us, get moving, focus on what you love to do, uh, eat breakfast. And you talked a little bit about... um, the mindset that we need to be in. And we'll dive into that a little more into that uh, here in a minute. But I'm curious, first of all, what are some of, what would you say is your absolute favorite meal? Ooh, gosh, for me, and I know that's probably not what everybody else would say, but I am a big salad fan. Yeah. Because there are so many different ways you can combine uh, vegetables and meats and fruit and delicious, healthy um, salad dressings as well. So an all-in-one kind of salads. That's what I love. Yeah. And, um, in fact, just yesterday I was eating, um, had dinner with my son Tanner and um, my daughter Abby, who's a new freshman here at BYU. Exciting. Um, she's going to play basketball for the Cougars, so I'm very excited <laughs> for Abby. And um, we went to a great hamburger place, but guess what I had? 
I had a Cobb salad just really? because it was so delicious. It was grilled chicken and avocado and beautiful vegetables and a nice little dressing. Um, to me, I need to nourish my body in um, and make sure what I put into it is going to help me rather than hurt me. So I think about that when I make my food choices. I think about, um, you know, what are my goals? I got You just always have to pay attention. You have to connect the dots. So for me, a beautiful big salad um, that fills me, but it also gives me the the protein and the healthy fats that I need. I mean, I am not one to shy away from a steak and potato dinner. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I do that now and then. But honestly, it's. Um, uh, pretty important that I make sure I get I really work to get about five six um, servings or a pound of vegetables in every day um, just because that's going to be a part of how I'm going to keep going yeah. you know and I'm not getting younger and none of us are and we start um, losing a little bit of our um, little zip in our older years and um, so we've got to pay attention I love the example you just shared with going to the hamburger hamburger joint because in your article here you talk about some of the social pressures we feel and how really it's it's not up to, you know, we shouldn't pay attention to what other people are eating. It's really up to us ultimately. Eventually it has to be. Yeah. You know, you can be influenced. And granted, there are lots of social occasions, celebrations, rewards. Everything we do in life often re- revolves around food. There's no question. But so if you have any opportunity to control what's on that menu, you know, make sure that there's a wide variety. And, you know, food is there to enliven our soul. I love that kind of that whole thought of, you know, how it looks, how it tastes, how it smells. Um, You know, that's a real big part of the excitement of food and paying attention. Yeah. And, you know, there there is that pressure, too, of we were going to a hamburger place, so I guess I got to get the hamburger. But maybe you get the salad and just try a bite of somebody's hamburger. Exactly. And that's what I did. Yeah. And, oh, I better I'll, – I'll make the, the confession. The sweet potato fries at this place was fantastic. So I did enjoy some sweet potato fries. There's, <laughs> yep. So you know what? You have to enjoy a wide variety. But where is the majority of your calories coming from? Where are they coming from? Yeah. So, and then another tip that you wanted to share, I think, uh, I I kind of pulled this out in front of me as as just a <laughs> oh a little cue, yeah. And that is your hydration. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that, <laughs> especially in the summer, because we're losing a fair amount of. Um, uh, water from sweat and working out. If we are moving, then we're losing water um, and the heat alone. And a little 3% drop in our um, body water percentage actually causes our cells to shrink and therefore uh, it slows metabolism. And again, mm. the, the whole concept of let's make sure we grow our metabolism rather than slow our metabolisms. And water can do that. Water can um, make sure that we're, if we stay hydrated, then our metabolism is going to stay elevated. So um, that's, a, that's a really important key. Sometimes we use our body weight divided by two mm-hmm. to, kill you, to give you the number of ounces that you really should consume every day. That's so what I was going to ask you about. If yeah. you're like 150 pounds, then 75 ounces of Water would be really um, highly recommended every day or some kind of fluid. And remember, we can get that from our fruits and vegetables too. 
Yeah. Okay. So our our body weight and divide it by two, uh-huh. and that's how many ounces we should be drinking. Yeah. So that's a Perfect. good little rule of thumb. So we mentioned Matt's probably at home watching Netflix and laying <laughs> down. He's probably got a giant container of water right next to him too, because that's kind of how he got into some of this trouble. Uh, so uh, yeah. But ooh. you know, in well, a way, then it's good. we should learn from that, right? Yeah. That we should not. We we have to recognize those signals again. Part of the signals. Listen, if you're thirsty, you've actually gone too far. Yeah. So you're so smart to just have water sitting right next to you. It's right there. It's available. So that's great. Well, it's all for show. I don't drink nearly (laughs) as much as I should. But, you know, you you uh, one of the problems that Matt got into trouble. I keep throwing Matt under the bus, but he uh, he's a big uh, Diet Coke fan. But he's I think he's starting to see the error of his ways. And I I Myself will have like a cherry Coke once or twice yep. a week, yep. um, but I try I to too. limit that to the weekend, you know. And I do too. Yeah. So I, I'm a big like – I like half and half. I'll do a half Coke, half Diet Coke, and occasionally that tastes so good to me. And it's one of those little treats that I allow myself, like you like you said, on the weekend yeah. or something. Um, but for the most part, yeah, we got to get the caffeine out because caffeine has a – especially in the summertime, it's a diuretic. Right. Like – or, or alcohol is also a diuretic. Um, people, I used to, um, uh, I trained for marathons and and we'd finish our runs and a lot of people would say, okay, let's go grab a coffee or let's go grab a beer or let's, you know, and it's like, uh, no, that, yeah. that's because those things are going to be more um, water losing and we actually need to put water in. Yeah. And you you mentioned something in here that I thought was interesting about tap water. What mm-hmm. can you tell us about mm-hmm. tap water? Well, one of the biggest trends right now is um, alkaline water or ionized water. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting concept that, you know, our bodies are function, function better with a little more alkalinity. So um, tap water has a pH of a, a very neutral. It's about 7. But a lot of bottled waters are actually on the acidic side. Um, and so... Or I should say marketers are now producing what are called alkaline waters, which have a pH closer to 8 or 9, which will move our bodies more toward an alkaline state, which is actually better for us. In fact, eating more fruits and vegetables does create a more alkaline state. So it makes sense. But the studies are not supporting the alkaline water Hmm. trend at at this point. But um, one of the big things is that tap water and even some of these alkaline waters are keeping the minerals in the water. So tap water, honestly, is one of the best things, unless you have a lot of contaminants in your water in your your area where you live. um, Just drinking tap water is probably one of the best things that you can do. Um, In fact, um, heart studies would suggest that the calcium and the magnesium, particularly in water, can actually so hard water versus soft water purifiers. We really want to we want to kind of get those out of our our systems or out of huh. our, our out of our homes. We want to really enjoy the 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 minerals in water can actually protect you and and improve your heart health. Yeah. Um, that's a great tip. And it's, so we're probably safe here in Utah to drink from the tap. I think so. In fact, water here is fantastic. <laughs> it's pretty good in Idaho, too. Yeah. We have very, very good water. So you mentioned this a little earlier about being mindful, but I was hoping we could dive a little deeper into this because you do kind of break it down. You know, in, 
in journalism, you worry about the who, what, where, when, why, and how. And that's exactly what yeah. we do in mindfulness. So tell us a little bit more about those. Well, you know, just as you drive a car, you have to get in the car and you have to think about all the moving parts. You know, where's my, where are my mirrors? Um, who's around me? Who's behind me? You pay attention. You have to focus. The same thing with eating. Um, and Dr. Michelle May has at her website, amihungry.com, and I'll give a plug for that because <laughs> Dr. May um, has produced this great mindful eating cycle, and I, we use it a lot in our bariatric or weight loss surgery practice, um, getting people to, first of all, think about the why. The why is, um, and not just we're at BYU, but the why, W-H, you know, why, um, <laughs> because it, once you establish the reasons why you're eating, it really makes a difference in what. So the why determines the what. What are your goals, Jeff? What are some of your health goals? Uh, my health goals are to have health goals. Ooh, to yeah. have health goals. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just start there, I mean, that's obviously the first step. But, uh, yeah, I, obviously I, I'd love to shed a few pounds, okay. more than a few. All right. And uh, – just exercise regularly. Okay. So those are two important goals. And you have to, on a scale, even of 1 to 10, you have to identify how important are those goals? Yeah. How meaningful are those goals? And if it is, um, then you want to say, then what I eat needs to be consistent with that goal. So if my goal is to, to drop a few pounds, then what I'm going to eat, I'm going to try to focus on lean protein, extra mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables. It doesn't mean that I can't have or can't enjoy some of the things we've been talking about. It just means the majority of my goal of my eating is going to be those things. Yeah. So the why, really assess, am I eating because I'm hungry or is it for some other reason, like I'm terribly bored or I'm frustrated, I'm stressed, and I use food as a way to deal with that. Yeah. We get a lot of people who, who um, unfortunately, um, that pattern becomes um, so predominant in their lives that food um, takes over. And, and then the food's kind of controlling them rather than they control the food. Yeah. And I love that analogy of, of getting into your car, too. That's such a clear picture and describes perfectly what I'm, yeah, dealing with right now. So that's the why. Yes. What else is there? Then there's, uh, of course, the why determines the what. So mm-hmm. always paying attention. If you're, um, you know, for the most part, normal eating means we're going to eat when we're hungry. And uh, occasionally we give ourselves permission to eat maybe when we're, when we're sad or we're celebrating or in social settings. That's normal. But if it takes over, then we have to be careful. Okay, so the what. Then we have to really pay attention to how. How are are we eating? Are we using food um, mindfully? Are we are we paying attention to um, um, slowing down, chewing more thoroughly, taking our time, really enjoying the kind of the sensual experience of food? Meaning, you know, the taste, the flavors, the smells. Um, there's a lot of aspects of eating that are more than just taste. Yeah. So slow down. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting because, yeah, it's usually when you're, you're not thinking about what you're eating that you overeat. And then all of a sudden, it, I mean, how many times has it happened where somebody's eating and all of a sudden it's like, oh, 
I'm totally full. Exactly. How did this happen? How did that happen? Yeah. Now, yeah. it takes about 20 minutes. I mean, this is really good science. But when we eat, food goes into the stomach, takes its little time to work its way, you know, enzymes, works its way down into the intestines. By the time it hits the intestines and triggers the production of a certain enzyme that then goes to your brain and says, you're full, Jeff. Stop eating. Mm-hmm. It's about 20 minutes. Yeah. So if you are eating a lot of food and you can pound a lot of food down in 10, 15 minutes, you are overeating. Yeah. So take your time. Give your body a chance to really register fullness so those signals to the brain can tell you when you're full. Yeah. And and honestly, that leads to the next one is how much. How much do I need to eat, really? And for most of us, it's a lot less than what we do. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So there are, you know, again, use a little scale. On the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being Thanksgiving stuffed and zero (laughs) being famished, you know, where am I on that hunger scale? And really kind of assess that. Be mindful of, you know, this tastes fabulous. I would love to eat more, but, you know, I'm full. Yeah. I'm about a 7. I'm comfortable. I don't need to eat again for another three or four hours. So I'm going to stop right here. You know, and, and and then allow yourself to get back to a neutral and then maybe even a th- three or four hours, really, for most adults, we don't really need to eat that. Yeah. Occasionally, we need to eat a little more often. But Do you ever work with anybody that is focused uh, on the money when it comes to the food? Like, well, I paid for this, so I really ought to finish it. Exactly. We hear a lot of that. Or, yeah. you know, most of us in my generation, we grew up in the clean the plate club. Mm. I, you know, you clean your plate. You don't leave anything on there. I would like, love to see my kids <laughs> clean their plate, by the way. <laughs> but don't. Because children are so intuitive to their natural signals of hunger and fullness. So questions at your house should be things like, are you full? How do you feel? Are you full? And if they are, maybe one more bite of the healthy vegetable they didn't get enough of, you think. But then allow them to stop. But you do say, well, then that's great. We're not going to eat again for another couple hours and, and hold to it. Because yeah. a lot of times kids will come to you and say a half hour later, I'm hungry. I want something. This is like every day in yeah. my house. <laughs> so then you have to say, you know what? We're not going to eat another for another hour. You, yeah. And you, I, I can usually tell they're not full when they're asking, to, can I be done? And then their very next question is, can I have dessert? Yeah. You know, well, so they're just trying to skip ahead to the good stuff. <laughs> well, and, and you include all of that as part of a healthy eating. You know, yeah. and that's and that takes away a lot of the stress at the dinner table if you you know kind of lets a parent off the hook in a way yeah to determine how much because kids are really very 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 smart about that so karen just in closing here what is what is the first step or what's the one thing we can do today to kind of head in the right direction i really liked all the the tips that you had as far as being mindful Mm -hmm. so what can we do today to get on the right path I think one of the first things that you can do is really take a good look at how you eat. So be the fly on the wall. Kind of Hmm. watch yourself. Watch your family. You know, how is Jeff eating today? What's he doing? Oh, I see him scavenging through the pantry or the refrigerator. You know, (laughs) what's he doing and why? Is he hungry? 
No, he's just bored or he, you know, needs something to do. This sounds like you've been a fly oh my on gosh. the wall at my Ooh. house. <laughs> <laughs> I think because it's very typical yeah. for most people. So just pay attention. Watch yourself a little bit. Evaluate kind of the reasons why you eat. And then work to eat more on a schedule, um, listening to your signals more carefully, um, and balance your eating. I think just a simple making sure there's a, some kind of protein, lean protein, healthy fruits and vegetables, whole grains healthy fat just make sure those are really well balanced in your in your day in your meal and i think you'll feel very very satisfied well karen thank you so much for being on the program this thank morning you. we're so happy to have you here me too uh, karen mangum is a licensed registered dietitian you can find uh you can find out some of her recipes and more of her information on inside karen's kitchen it's a healthy food blog and uh, yeah, I'm going to look up some of those recipes on InsideKarensKitchen.com. Have a great weekend. Enjoy BYU Media Football Day. Oh, and and fun. Uh, good luck moving your daughter in. Thank you. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll continue the fun and the discussion here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, we just finished up a wonderful interview with Karen Mangum. And uh, Cole and I were talking during the break about where we're currently at in our eating habits. And and uh, Cole has an amazing metabolism, is, is uh, slim as a, a stick and can eat whatever he wants. And that'll I, last forever, right? Mm, I, I've kind of adopted that mindset, unfortunately, which now I'm starting to uh, uh, – I don't want to say reap the benefits, but I guess uh, see the consequences of that mindset because <laughs> I'm you know, in my mid-30s. And, but, I mean, she said it. None of us are getting any younger. Not particularly. I have genetics, though, on my side. So in the interest of making everyone jealous, my father had a 26-inch waist until he was in his mid-40s. Wow. 26? Yeah. Sheesh. (laughs) He was even smaller than me. And I know that uh, our radio listeners don't exactly get that visual, but um, it's surprising. The only way I mention jeans is to say that I'm wearing jeans because my genetics are not the same as yours, let's just say. Anyway, um, here's, a, here's an interesting story for you. A spider is being blamed for a car crash in the Florida suburbs. Broward Sheriff's Office spokesman Michael uh, Jackals tweeted that the car crash happened Tuesday after the driver saw a spider loose in the car. The white car hit a light pole, knocking it into the street in Cooper City, which is the northwest of Miami, which is uh, northwest of Miami. Few details about the crash uh, were available, but pictures taken by the sheriff's office show damage to the car's front end. In a tweet, Jackals said, "While he doesn't know what kind of spider caused the one-vehicle crash, it definitely was not itsy bitsy." This totally reminded me of the uh, the film clip we just played the other day from the film uh, Snakes in a Car. Right. You know, because if – admit it. If you saw a snake in your car, it might cause you to crash that car. And a spider, similarly speaking. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe more so a snake. Spiders, you know, you just brush off and you're done with them. But Is, is that how you take care of spiders? Because a snake? Because I – 
Oh, yeah? I'm much more afraid of a spider than it would be a snake. Are you serious? Yeah, of course. See, a snake can very stealthily and smoothly wrap itself around you without you even noticing. But snakes are more, there's more harmless breeds of snake that are normally around me. Okay. Uh, that was growing up like a garden. I'd be mowing my lawn and I'd see gardener snakes just all over the place. And yeah. You kind of get used to it. Whereas spiders, even if they're not all venomous, they're all creepy crawly and get everywhere and just creepy. Yeah. Whereas snakes can be just doing their thing. Oh. When spiders do their thing, it's it's still, it gives you the, the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. It is embarrassing, though, when somebody says, uh, you've got a spider crawling on you, and then you let out this high-pitched girly scream as you, you know, try to brush it off. Yourself. Jeff's general not, reaction to most things. I'm that... not saying that's what I do, but, uh, and then, of course, there's the problem with Walking through a spider web that nobody else can see, and Brian Regan's got a great bit about that and how ridiculous you look when you have to do that. But anyway, um, if you see a spider, calm down. If you see a snake, I wouldn't calm down, but Cole apparently says that they're not as uh, harmful as spiders might be. So just calm down, pull over, take care of the problem. Don't get in a car crash. Be safe out there. Don't text while you drive and don't uh, try to... Freak out when spiders attack you in your car. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll continue the fun here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We're having a great time here this morning. It's BYU Media Football Day or BYU Football Media Day, I should say. And we just speak. We just uh, finished speaking with Karen Mangum, who is Tanner Mangum's mother. We didn't talk about football really at all. We talked about how to get slim in 2017, especially during the summer. She, she shared some she recipes. Did, she gave us the insight that her her son ate a hamburger the other day. Hey, <gasps> that is breaking a, news that is right a little here. tidbit you're not going to get any on any other show. And he's doing a whole bunch of shows today. Right. And her daughter is also going to be playing football, or not football, uh, basketball here at BYU. Brand new freshman, so that's exciting. There you go. Um, yeah, so just that's coming up in about 53 minutes. I'm sure they won't be talking about Tanner Mangum eating a hamburger. Um, but 53 minutes from now, it'll be BYU Sports Nation. They might. Maybe he oh. lost weight over the summer and he needs to bulk up some. You know, yeah. Just to take the wear and tear better. You know, I, I'm going to admit I spent a couple of minutes while she was talking trying to figure out what hamburger joint she was talking about. Because it sounded like it had some amazing sweet potato fries. And a salad option, which also scratches <laughs> off most of the places that I've ever Right. Yeah. It's not just some fast food place. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. a gourmet hamburger establishment. Don't don't you feel like there is that type of pressure, though, like, well, this place is known for the hamburgers. So mm. Everybody's told me you got to go have a hamburger here. Isn't it kind of weird? Don't you feel weird going to a place like that and then ordering something that's not the hamburger? No, I usually get the hamburger. You do? Yeah, because if you're going there and that's the purpose of it, that's what I, I do. You know? I usually cave to the it's social like, pressure. It's not like when we were kids and we go to, say, the, the Mexican restaurant and my, my my sister would get a hamburger instead of, like, a burrito. See, yeah. Every time I go to Del Taco, it's like, who is that hamburger for? Who's getting that hamburger that's not a five-year-old girl? 
Anyway, I'm sure their hamburgers are just fine at Del Taco. I mean, Schmel Daco. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I could say Taco, just maybe not the Del. And now we've said it about five times. Good job. Anyway, um, we've got a, a fun guest coming up. We're going to uh, we're going to be speaking with Reno Mahe, who is one of the coaches for BYU football. Also, somebody with a very busy schedule today. In fact, uh, yeah, I think right here he's running off to go be a part of the state of the program program that's coming up here at nine o'clock. Um, and then Terry South is going to be giving us some of the news. And we've got also some more empty news to entertain you and enlighten you. But first, let's or, do that. Or scare you. Just yeah. depends on some the Some of it is scary. Yeah. Uh, but Terry, let's hear what's going on around the rest of the country first. A tornado ripped apart several buildings in Alabama on Thursday, while the mayor of a coastal Louisiana town urged residents to evacuate ahead of the rising tides. Uh, the uh, tropical depression, now Cindy, it was a uh, tropical storm, now it's a depression, was fueling much of the weather across the southeast yesterday. Meanwhile, the Gulf Coast was still suffering from the effects of Cindy. Former tropical storm now crawled ashore from the Gulf of Mexico early Thursday near the Louisiana-Texas state line. Downgraded to a tropical depression, Cindy was weakening as it headed north through Louisiana towards Arkansas, but a broad circulation around the system swept moist Gulf air over the south, fueling bands of strong weather and pushing up coastal tides. Uh, most of the flood water and the reports I saw yesterday had crested, which means it's going to, you know, reduce, re- yeah. recede and go away. But, you know, just the damage that will be done. We'll see that over the next few days, what the fallout from that storm was. A Pew Research Center survey of nearly 4,000 Americans released Thursday found a substantial 44% of Americans say they know someone who had been shot by a gun, either accidentally or intentionally. Oh, my goodness. So 44%. The survey also asked respondents their opinion on gun laws, with 52% of adults overall saying that gun laws should be more strict than they are today, 18% saying less strict, and 30% saying they're about right. The effect of personal connections also pales in comparison to that of partisanship. About three-quarters of Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents support stricter gun laws, while fewer than three in ten Republicans and leaning Republicans do, regardless of whether they know someone who has been shot or not. Do you so, know somebody personally that's been shot? I do not believe so. Yeah, I don't think I do either. So we're not in that mm. group. But I found that to be a, a large number of people that are Oh, yeah. I was by surprised this. by that. Uh, this year at VidCon, a convention for online video creators, YouTube shared some metrics that uh, really drive home how much it's dominating mobile video usage and how quickly it's servicing its gaining viewers on TV. The highlights were the fact that there are now 1.5 billion logged-in users visiting the site every month. So 1.5 wow. billion a month use the YouTube.com, either through mobile or a desktop or oh, on, yeah. on, a, on a television. They say one of the biggest markets that are growing right now for them are these smart televisions. Yeah. So you oh, sit yeah. down, you know, just flip through an app and then watch the, the videos on your screen there. The distinction is important that there are undoubtedly still a few folks hopping on YouTube that aren't necessarily using a Google account to do so. So people are actually just going to YouTube. They're not even logged in, still watching videos yeah. that way. So a logged in user spent an average of more than one hour per day watching YouTube on just their mobile devices. One hour? Uh, an average of an hour watching on a phone or a tablet. Sheesh. Which is crazy, but it's showing just how pervasive video has gotten and the mobile web. And like I said, the ne- the other market that's growing for them is on the TV. So See, they're going to focus that way. That's the frustrating part about YouTube is you end up watching all these videos and then you re- if you add up all the time, you realize, man, I could have watched an episode of my favorite TV show during that time. Right. 
Oh. But you just saw that bear fall out of a tree five times. And that was, and that was worth it. Right. He was cute. And finally, some 30 boys have worn skirts to school in protest at being told they were not allowed to wear shorts. The pupils from ISCA <laughs> Academy in Exeter, England, asked permission to modify their uniforms because it's hot. They were denied. School uniform guidelines currently allow male pupils to wear trousers. Female pupils they can wear trousers or skirts. Pupils may remove their ties but must carry them with them, and shirts can be untucked in class but must be tucked in when they leave the classroom. One of the boys who took part in the protest said, We are not allowed to wear shorts, and I'm not sitting in trousers all day. It's a little hot. Uh, one of the head teachers said that shorts were not part of the school uniform. People said the idea of the protest came from the head teacher who originally made the suggestion, although one student said that he did not think he w- that she was serious. They said they hoped the school would reconsider its shorts policy as a result of the protest, and the head of it uh, has indicated that it might be considered. One of the boys was asked, how do you enjoy wearing a skirt? He said it's a bit breezy. <laughs> a bit breezy. Well, it's probably not too unlike uh, wearing a kilt, I would imagine. Except you don't have that little pouch in the front that I don't even know what that pouch is. You know what that is? It's like that fur pouch thingy. Anyway, that is, to be honest, that's kind of a clever way to go about getting them to make a change. That would be frustrating, not being able to wear shorts. I can't even imagine, you know, being in Phoenix, Arizona and not being allowed to wear shorts. Sheesh. Well, good for them. Very clever. When we return, we're going to take a break right now. When we return, we're going to be speaking with Reno Mahe, who is uh, the running back coach for the BYU Cougars. He's got a busy day today because it is BYU Media or BYU Football Media Day. So we'll have him here in just a minute here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Unfortunately, we're not going to have Reno Mahe on the show, as we just learned, because he's he's got a family emergency, and uh, he's going to take care of that. And I'm sure he's going to be right back here for uh, BYU Football Media Day, which is going on. We keep seeing all sorts of prominent people, although I don't really know who they are, walking by the window. They're not necessarily prominent, well, but they're, you know. People to, of to today, yeah. you know, yeah. like you see us walking by, nobody would give us a second look. But you see somebody like Tanner Mangum or even Tanner Mangum's mom, Karen Mangum, whom we just had on the program earlier. Then, you know, you get all excited. She and, wanted uh, to go down and tour uh, Sports Nation Studios. Yeah. And she was asking me how to get down there, and I've tried to do that before. I, I've got lost. I was in some prop room somewhere. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's going on? It's um, kind of scary. But I, I I was kind of pointing her in the direction of where the studios are, and I go, I think if you dropped a couple names, you could probably get back there. Oh, she's not going to have any problem getting access. And she access. goes, oh, no, I know people. I go, that's what I'm saying. You just yeah. walk down there and say, uh, I know Tanner, and, you know, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, I, I say prominent, really, because uh, these people are getting all the good parking spots today. They are. They took mine. I, well, I think, you gave it to them, I think really. I end up with one of the better parking spots. I, I, I've really thought through the process of where to park. And really, the, the I think the key to a good parking spot is your exit strategy. Yeah. And I want to avoid oh, yeah. backing out. Mm, by, now, you mm-hmm. do the same thing. You pull through, so you just, when you get in your car, you just pull out. You don't have to back up and try to, you know, figure out the... 
parking lots and it's all yeah. you can't see what's coming. And um, so I really kind of thought through that when I when I when I arrived here and I gave that spot to somebody else. Good for you. Now I'm parked underneath some tree out front. So I'm going to follow suit, and I'm I'm going to give uh, BYU Sports Nation the third hour of our program. Today. That's great. They need it. They're not, they're actually not <laughs> taking that. It's actually the state of the program. Sports Nation starts at the normal time at ten, and it goes for two hours. Ah, I was informed from. Tanner Mangum's mom, who apparently okay. knows more about our schedule today than I do. But again, let's not get hung up on the details. The important part is we're giving them the third hour. Right. Because Jeffrey so. was less than generous with his parking spot this morning, he's chosen to be generous with the schedule okay. of the show. There's a difference between being less than generous and just not reading key emails. And I, I fall Marked into the latter category. Importance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, you know. We're getting bogged down in the details here. Not important. But, uh, Terry, you've got an interesting story that you want to talk to. You've got, you've got an argument which seems like it would be very difficult to sway people with this argument. Now, I, this was an area of focus for me because no matter what mattress my wife and I purchase, it always ends up after a while not working out for me. Okay. I want something that's almost hard as a rock. Now, wait a minute. You say it doesn't work out for you. Are you are you uh, regularly rotating the mattress? Sure. Okay. But still, I mean, and it's regularly working out for your wife. Right? She's fine that's with the, it, yeah. apparently. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm the one over here, just uncomfortable completely. I, we went, you know, you go to the mattress store mm-hmm. and you you test out mattresses because you don't know what you want, right? Right. I laid on like the hardest thing you could possibly imagine. Went, this is awesome, you know. My <laughs> wife's like, no, no, not at all. I'm like, all right. So, mm. um, yeah, we have different, you know. So then, I mean, there's products where you can have your mattress. Half whatever you know, whatever number you like. We'll call it the sleep hashtag. Yeah, yeah. So you can pick however you the firmness versus softness, and you can have that split, and everyone's happy. But right, we're not going to do that because to me it seems kind of ridiculous. Yes. Um, But what ends up with my mattress is I end up laying in the same spot. I don't really move around a lot, and so it sort of craters. Uh huh. And so I I, I get this big divot I hang out Mm -hmm. in all night long, and it works well actually with an infant. To toss them on the bed because they can't get out of it. Yeah. They're just stuck in this sort of you know, crater oh. that I've created. But um, so they're, they're, you get into the discussion of like sleep positions. Mm-hmm. But because it craters like that, I can only sleep on my back. Because if I sleep on my front, then you end up with this thing where your back bends and it sort of pushes your stomach down right. and your head's up. And so you get that bend right in the middle of your back and I yeah. wake up with back pain because I've been kind of – putting that pressure on it all night long. Yeah. And you can't really sleep on your side because it's a, kind of a weird angle. And so you end up just on your back, which is fine. But, you know, you want some variety at times. Oh, yeah. Or some freedom of movement. I'm of the opinion if I don't wake up at least once or twice throughout the night and change positions, it's not a good night's sleep, even if I've slept right. all the night through. And I'll end up laying in one spot. And I have uh, – you wake up and you, you kind of have to stretch. You feel kind of – like really tight, maybe some pain, but yeah. not, but then it's it's mostly just like your body hasn't moved in a while, right? Yeah. So it's kind of built up some of that. And there's some su- suggestions coming up that talk about why it's really good for you to actually move around when you sleep. Yeah. Rather than just – there's some people that they'll just fall asleep and they never move. And that's actually probably not the best for what your body should get when it sleeps. It's important though when you are on the top bed of a bunk bed that you don't move around too much. Right. 
But I, if you have a king-sized bed, then you have that range of motion without worrying yeah, about slapping true. or smacking or kicking or pushing. Well, there's still probably some of that going on anyway. Yeah, and then mm. if your kid hops in there, they're going to kick you in the ribs anyways. Uh, do. So first off, we'll talk about body position when you sleep. What's okay. the best position to sleep in, do you think? I, so uh, if I'm not tired enough, I have to sleep on my stomach. Okay. If I'm dead tired, I can fall asleep on my back. But I usually revert to my my sleeping position is actually I don't want to use the word dictated by my wife, but uh, she'll uh, occasionally wake me up and say, "You're snoring. You have to sleep on your stomach." <laughs> wow. What do you think is the healthiest position to sleep in? Do you think? Uh, I've heard it's the side, isn't it? Your side. It's not what this Which says. Which side? Really? Yeah. This is interesting. It says if you sleep on your back, you're the picture of health. So really? you, that, that And it's exaggeration, but sleeping face up prevents acid reflux as well as head, neck, and spinal pain. This position might also help you stay wrinkle-free well, if you're worried about that. Now, wait a minute. We had a guest on this show that talked about this very thing, and they said if you're sleeping on your back and you're snoring, it's because you're not breathing properly while you're sleeping. Well, that would be other reasons. You're, okay. Maybe you got some nasal work that needs to be done. Huh. Get some sort of roto-rooter guy to come in and (laughs) dig around. But what it says is, although lying on your back is ideal, no sleep position without possible complications. When you do sleep in this position, be sure to use supportive pillows under your head to keep your stomach lower than your esophagus. Don't sleep on your back, though, if you uh, though if you suffer from sleep apnea or are in your second or third trimester of pregnancy. They tell you not to do that when you're pregnant. There's too much force down on the baby. You kind of sleep on your side so the yeah. baby, you know. And the, it seems like so many of these you hear a, a wide range of opinions on, especially the sleeping on the back. My wife started sleeping on her back during her last pregnancy, and it freaked me out because yeah. every doctor said don't do don't it. Don't do that, yeah. But this last one was like, well, you're not – you can't really – Stop your body from doing what it wants to do on its own right. in the middle of the night, you know? Yeah. So, But once you get to a second and third trimester, you kind of have that speed bump situation where you just can't roll anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kid's in the way. So I don't know. Uh, if you're on your side, it says you're doing fine. This sleep position offers many of the same health benefits as sleeping on your back, such as reducing both acid reflux and back pain just to a lesser degree. You also tend to snore less while on your side. However, sleeping on your side is more likely to cause wrinkles if, again, you're worried about wrinkles. I guess I could see that, yeah. Your, uh, the fetal position, some people like to, I guess, keep it tight and tuck everything up close and they have that comfort feeling, I guess. Yeah. I but you should think about trying a new sleep position if you're pregnant or if you are a chronic snorer. The fetal position is your best, but, your best bet, but for anyone else, sleeping hunched like this might exacerbate any chronic pain or soreness and will also restrict your breathing. So try to adjust your curled up fetal position into a straighter lying on your side position. So I don't know. I've yeah. never really like tucked knees up and got well, all, you know. When I'm uh, not saying random things in my sleep, I'm usually I've got my head propped up with my arms and my wife will have to wake me up and be like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> and the final one they have here is stomach. So if you sleep on your stomach, this is let me guess, you often wake up feeling sore or unrested. If you sleep on your stomach, you stretch your spine in an unnatural way for long periods of time, which is probably what I experience when I'm laying on my stomach that way, along with the crater I sleep in. You also have to keep your head to one side at all times because you can't sleep face down. You'll suffocate in right. your pillow, right? Yeah, yeah. It says, which can aggravate your neck and complicate your breathing. 
As hard as it may seem to change your sleep position, try to break this bad habit by switching either to your side or back. Consciously practicing your new position during your waking hours, as well as finding the right head-neck support will ease the transition if you are a stomach sleeper. You know, so, you, you just gave me a great idea. Um, what if I sleep on a massage table and I, oh, yeah. at the, the, you know, the head of those have the little hole that your face can go through. That way I don't have to sleep with my head to the side. It also keep your spine aligned because it's flat. That's true. But it's cushioned so it's comfortable. And then, you know, I, but you probably have to put like a little bucket underneath that little head hole. But <laughs> Drool, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Some favorites of mine. The the vampire, you know, when you sleep on your side, you just cross your arms over your chest like this. Okay. Um, or like one arm in between your legs. It's just like it, – but it's – again, it's kind of getting back to some of those comfortable baby positions, you know, just feeling comforted. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. But so yeah, you, I, I like – I, I sleep on my back because I have to. Mm-hmm. I'd like some more freedom of movement because I feel kind of constricted that way, but apparently it's the best way to sleep. Unless I, you snore, then you have to roll over on your side. Exactly. Which or on your I stomach. I don't snore. Hmm. Just so that. You, I, I've never been awake when I was snoring, so I have no idea. <laughs> I love the arguments that I get into with my wife when she'll accuse me of snoring or talking in my sleep or saying something that I don't realize what I'm saying. I will fight and, uh, you know, I'll just say, I know exactly what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm awake. I'm awake. And then there will be a 10-second pause. Okay, maybe you're right. <laughs> As I'm putting the pieces together, like, yes, why am I standing here with the baby not realizing that I'm standing here with the baby? Um, interesting. So you enjoy a little bit of a harder surface. Um, gosh, have you ever tried one of those sleep hashtag beds? No. It's basically like sleeping on an expensive uh, air mattress. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it when I tried it out. Sleeping on a raft. I always get pushed away by the price. Oh, yeah. I just go, whoa, really? <laughs> you know, and that's, I mean, we could have a whole other other discussion about mattress stores, too. We went into one one time, and you always want to do research. You know how you'll go see something in a store, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to look it up on, on Amazon, and I'll buy it cheaper there. You can't really do that with mattresses because they come up with some bogus name that only their store has. The other stores might have that same mattress, yeah. but they all name them differently. Yeah. So there's no way to do the research. No. You can't price compare. And there and a lot of the mattresses I there's a uh, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a uh, podcast I listened to that kind of talked about this. Also the marketing idea of if you see mattress stores they tend to cluster. Yeah. Right? You'll have like yeah. all the different brands all of different stores all together. Mm-hmm. And now most of the stores are owned by two companies, which is another thing. They'll have multiple stores but they're all like the parent companies all like the same company. Yeah, yeah. And so the mattresses are all made by the same people. They just put different names on them. So they're all the same mattress. <laughs> they're just, oh, this one's like the Super King and this one's your Super Sleeper. And Those guys are greasier than a used car salesman. It's just marketing. Hmm. Which, you know, if you want to approach that being greasy, I'll let you take the heat for that. Well, greasy, greasy mostly because all the people try out the mattresses and they have all the hair products. That's in the there. other problem is yeah. this, this idea of just like jumping on the mattress in the store. It's like, does anyone clean this? Is this oh. um, and so it goes on to this other article I found on Men's Health talking about sleeping on the floor. He guy tried it out okay. for a week and it helped him. Really? In and what way, though? Well, he, he goes on to – he goes, we live in an over-cushioned life. 
And he goes, we sit in chairs at work and sofas in front of the TV and we sit on a thick mat. We sleep on a thick mattress at night. All this cushiness makes us soft. Hmm. Sleeping without a mattress on the floor as the he was interviewing a person that wrote a uh, – uh, a body alignment type book called Movement Matters and Move Your DNA called, uh, let's see, Katie Bowman. And uh, Bowman has done this for three and a half years. She has numerous benefits. She goes, you'll sleep better, achieve a deeper quality of sleep, and wake up feeling good, she says. Those super pricey memory foam mattresses are movement restrictors. They lock you into one position. This prohibits the natural turning of your body that you undergoes at night. The aches and pains most people suffer after waking up are due to not moving for hours. Yeah. Right. So you okay. get those aches and pains. All right. By sleeping without a mattress, you'll strengthen tiny muscles that build over time. Because you're rolling <laughs> on them, you're moving. Eventually, when you're 90, you'll you, be. <laughs> you're putting pressure on your body parts. It's like a massage all night long for your body. Interesting. That's how you roll out your, your aches and pains that you get if you just sit there all night long without moving, which is probably my problem when I wake up and you're like, oh, I can't move. And then okay. you're fine. So it says this dynamic rest that coupled with daily foam rolling will lead to a more robust muscle structure for athletic adventures. Though I was skeptical, I decided to give the suggestion a try. Recently, this is back to the uh, the article author here from Men's Health. It says, recently I've been suffering from annoying muscle knots bestowed upon me by weight training. And uh, so maybe a thorough massage via a night of sleeping on the floor might help. He uh, they t- uh, he was recently told he wouldn't you wouldn't have to jump immediately from the mattress to the mat. He could ease into it using some steps. And so what they end up doing is they um, – as they, they, they kind of shift around, they're able to set it up where uh, uh, they have like a mat on the ground. So you're not like completely just on the floor. It's yeah. like a foam mat kind of to give you a barrier to begin with. And then over, over a period of days and weeks, you take away your mat, maybe go to a blanket, and then finally just the floor. So you kind of ease yourself down to the floor. Okay. Now, but what if we experience some of these same problems on the floor that we're having on the bed where we're not sleeping in the right position or we're not right. moving around enough? Wouldn't that end up being worse? Because now we're on a very hard surface doing these horrible things on the floor. Well, sure. But once you find that out, then you just do something different, <laughs> right? But for them that worked, they went from the mattress to the floor and they got rid of some of the aches and pains they're dealing with. Huh? Because of that idea that in the mattress, like in my case with my crater that I sit in, I sit there all night and then you wake up and you haven't moved in six, seven hours. Yeah. Right? So you're kind of achy. But uh, when you're on the floor, you got that freedom of movement because the mattress isn't holding you in place and you're able to kind of work out some of those kinks in your, in your muscles as you roll. Now, they say it takes two or three nights to get there. This isn't for everyone. It, you know, yeah. you, you have to kind of commit to it. So it's kind of a hard thing. But they uh, – what, what they said, uh, his steps for how to sleep on the floor, he, he suggests uh, switching sides. If you sleep on the leftmost portion of the mattress, try a night on the rightmost portion. Over time, your mattress adapts to your shape. So in other words, he's saying you switch the uh, side possibly with your partner if that's the situation you're in. I don't know. I, I tend to freak out sleeping on the other side of the room. I don't know why. It seems, you know, but it, maybe, force of habit. Maybe it could be like it's a vacation. I'm on this side of the room. I'm near the window now. I How to know. spice things up in your relationship? <laughs> there you go. You can do that. Uh, switch rooms. Sleep in another room. Sometimes you get caught up in your 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 habits and things, and so you're in this separate. You're in, if you go to a separate room, it's again a whole change of dynamic there, and you could sleep in a different bed that you don't normally sleep in. I don't know. Um, <sighs> you can just ditch the bed. 
You cushion up the floor with pillows. They say they took, this guy took an egg crate foam topper and put it next to him on the bed and slept on that. So back to what I was telling you about where you, you yeah. do it in steps to get to the floor. You don't just automatically sleep on the floor. Yeah. Uh, you minimize the, the cushion over time and uh, see if that works for you. So the next time that your wife has you sleeping on the couch, it can be a fun experiment for your sleep patterns and your right. health. Yeah, and usually it wasn't as the result of some argument that you had, though. Or no, hopefully it wasn't as a result of some argument that you had, that you're sleeping on the couch. You can play it off that it was voluntary. Okay, yeah. So the conclusion <laughs> to this article in Men's Health, the author's talking about the, the idea that super expensive ultra-plush mattresses aren't necessarily the answer because they restrict your movement at night. And you kind of get into – it It forms to your body, which keeps you possibly in a bad position. Huh. And uh, But they said it, basically you need to focus on how you feel after you sleep. If you wake up and it kind of – you don't feel rested, you feel kind of achy, you shouldn't be waking up feeling that way. You should feel refreshed. And okay, I've never this actually, is a genuine yawn, not by what you're saying because yeah. we're talking so much about sleep. I've never actually – Working the hours that we work at times, yeah. it's hard to feel refreshed when you wake up. Exactly. And uh, when I go on vacation, if I'm gone for like a week, it's about the third or fourth day before I have a full eight hours and I feel refreshed when I wake up. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I get in this mindset every once in a while where maybe I don't have to indulge in everything. Like maybe I don't have to eat exactly what I want or maybe I don't have to have the warmest, hottest shower possible. But I, don't, I just don't know if I'm ready to uh, – to give yeah. up my sleep when but, I get so little of it, you know. And in this case, it'll be tough to jump in, give up your mattress, and just kind of shift your whole sleeping patterns. But yeah. maybe if you're having problems, this is something you can explore. Sleeping on the floor. No? Get you back to your primal no. man. Yeah. To get out of this soft, cushiony world of pillows and no. sleep on the ground no. like a real man. That's not working for you? No. Okay. No. Well, it was a shot. I gave, an, I gave some ideas. Gave some – maybe you can uh, – Try sleeping on your back, but you you snore apparently. <laughs> I I don't agree. You but, sound like you a know. diesel engine downshifting, <laughs> and your wife's annoyed. So I understand. Everyone has a different situation. Oh yeah, this is one area in my life that I'm just not willing to make any adjustments right now. Maybe if I were getting ten or twelve hours of sleep, maybe if I was falling asleep to a movie, I would consider sleeping on the floor. At least then there's some positive aspect thrown in there. Anyway, speaking of movies, wow, our segues rarely pan out that well. Uh, speaking of movies, when we come back, we're going to be speaking with Sean O'Neill, who is one of our go-to guys for telling us which movies we should see and which ones we can probably, uh, you know, not see. And this weekend, there's one movie in particular that he could not see because... Uh, it wasn't screened for critics. So when we come back after the break, we will continue this discussion about movies with Sean O'Neill. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, normally in about 20 minutes we would be doing screen cleaning and we'd be talking to, you know, either Rod Gustafson or some other guest about 
various aspects of the entertainment industry and maybe even have a movie review. But as we mentioned earlier on the program, we have graciously uh, decided to donate our third hour of the Matt Townsend show to BYU Sports Nation. We feel like they don't get enough uh, airtime. They're kind of struggling in the ratings. Uh, alternative facts. Sports Nation? Uh, <laughs> Sports Nation isn't coming on during your third hour. Oh, they're not? No. See, this is how much I know about BYU Football Media Day. Well, it's it's the football program talking to you at 9 a.m. See, Sean, another thing we talked about in the program is I didn't even know I wasn't supposed to park in that parking oh, really? lot. <laughs> you didn't, just read, to the, didn't get the email? If I did, I... The, the three or four that were sent out this week? Yeah. Don't tell Don O'Neill that I kind of skim through the emails and maybe ignore some things. But well, I'm hey, gonna... hey, Matt read the email and just took it down and just didn't he, even show up. Yeah. So, yeah, lazy Matt. Come on. Now he'll be back soon. Hopefully, He's, his surgery went well. So that's good. Um, so instead of screen cleaning, we thought we'd bring in Sean O'Neill, and we're going to talk because you get advanced screening passes yeah, am, to I, these films. I do see movies in advance for uh, movie reviews. You just heard one actually. You uh, critique the them on our yeah. show exactly. <laughs> um, so you, we heard what you thought of Cars Three during the break. Yeah, but uh, didn't, didn't like it a whole. Bunch. Interesting. It was fun, but it was kids will love it. I you mean, gave it. You gave it a what grade again? A C. So Rod Gustafson gave this an A minus. I know. And he said that Pixar is back because um, no. I can't. What was the last movie that they had? Was it the Good Di- Good Dinosaur or was it Inside Out? No, Good it was Dinosaur. Finding Dory. Finding yeah, Dory. Good Dinosaur was two years ago. <laughs> that, yeah. See, I'm I'm out of it. Finding Dory, which I I enjoyed Finding Dory. Okay, but so Cars, Cars 3, three no. clearly not your favorite Pixar film. No. Uh, I want to hear what your top five favorite Pixar films are. See, that's oh, that is so tough. Um, because there's so many good ones. And and uh, you mentioned Wally earlier during the break. I have never seen Wally. Really? Yeah. It I don't is know how so I missed unique. That one, it I, is oh, mm-hmm. and you know you've heard that the first forty minutes or so, or I yeah. don't think there's any dialogue in no. the first forty mm-hmm. minutes. There's noises, but that's about it. It's so cute. It's a beautiful film. It does get a little preachy by the end, mm-hmm. um, but I think Wally is a great character, and I love the little robot romance that goes uh, on okay. in the movie. So you should check it out. Wally is certainly my mother's least favorite Pixar movie. Oh, really? Because my mom is blind. Oh. And so for the first half of that movie, she, just, she, she doesn't know what's going on. Nothing. She right. heard yeah. Wally and Eva and yeah, that is all. It. And another thing to be said in favor of Wally is it came out during a time when Pixar was putting out some really great stuff. Yeah. Wally, Ratatouille, just really so Rat- out there stuff that was just so brilliant and had great scripts. I think Ratatouille would be my number five. Really? Yeah. Okay. I like that movie a lot. Interesting. But I'm a I'm a cook. I like cooking. Ah so- there you go. I do like that Brad Bird directed it. I love Brad mm-hmm. Bird, and he's he's one yes. of my top five and on here. Brad Bird is my has got my number one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, don't spoil Which it. Is later. If yeah. you don't know what that is, don't spoil it. So um, Ratatouille, uh, it's, it's just so much fun. Yeah. And in fact, I will still to this day yell at my kids. Let's do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's your but number yeah, five. That's I probably would, my number five. I would probably put 
And I kind of cheat whenever I am asked about my favorite Pixar films because I tend to put the Toy Story films in a class of their own. I have to agree with you it's on that. It's a solid trilogy. Yes. Uh, as, as trilogies go, I only have a handful of trilogies that I enjoy the entire experience, and Toy Story is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. But my least favorite – I wouldn't say my least favorite because that's – it's a wonderful film, but – the if I had to say the least of the three, it's it, I know it would be Cole's number one, which is Toy Story two. I would yeah. put at the bottom, Me which too. they're all kind of the same story. They all blend together so well. But uh, at the end of every single one of them, though, your heartstrings are just being oh my goodness, like a <laughs> right, like like a lawnmower starter. <laughs> And I, there have probably been times when I've seen this film and thought, I, I might like this better than Toy Story 1. Yeah. But you have to give credit for Toy Story 1 for being the first Pixar yeah, movie. The novelty of it. For starting yeah. it all out. And it, it is such a sweet, simple story. So Toy Story 2 would be in my number five. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your number four? I, see, okay. There's, some, there's a toss-up. So I'm going to have to give an honorable mention, which I, I bugs life. Okay. Is the honorable mention. Which is the one during the break I yeah. said is the one that people Just tend to, to make forget sure about. it gets mentioned and that no it one does. forgets it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that movie, though. <laughs> it is such a great movie. Great voice acting in oh, that movie, too. Definitely. Um, Hopper is just... He's, Kevin he's, Spacey. He's so great. And uh, is it Richard Is it Richard Kind plays kind of the dim-witted yes. grasshopper? Yes. I love yeah. Richard Kind. I know. He is so funny. Yeah. Uh, but my number four... Um, uh, I gotta. I have to go with uh, uh, Monsters Inc. Yes. Oh, see now you keep mentioning all these ones that are not on my list, and now I'm wondering if they should be. Uh-huh. Uh huh. okay. But I lo- that's. I mean, that's a great movie. The 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 whole uh, the animation with with um, now I can't remember the character's name. Mike and Sully Mike, or Water News. It or? was Sully. Okay. Sully's fur. Oh. I still remember watching a featurette of of how they did Sully's fur, and it is amazing how they got that fur to all blend together and work in unison. And yeah, yeah. It, it was amazing. And Steve Buscemi's chameleon-looking guy oh, was, was yes. pretty creative animation for the yeah. time yeah. as well. So my number four had, was at one time my number one, <clears throat> and it's because I saw it right after I got married – so it was the perfect okay. time of life for me to enjoy this film, and it's Up. Oh, yes. I love Up. It it easily could have been a short film, you know, based on that five or six minute oh, the, little vignette. Just the intro, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of the most Did, beautiful things you've ever seen. No dialogue, no, no dialogue. The score, I love the score to Up. Now, by the way, I you know I I didn't I panned Cars three, uh huh, but the short that's in front of Cars three. It's really? Called, it's called Lou, and it's fantastic. Okay. It I'm really looking forward is, to that. It really is good. So it's it's kind of a throwback to to Toy Story, but there's no toys involved. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to say Up is my number four, and mm-hmm. I, here's the best way I can describe Up. Up is the version of um, Around the World in 80 Days that I enjoy. 
Yeah. I don't enjoy the the best picture winning film around the world in 80 days. I've even given it a second try. Really? And to me, it's just boring. I think I've it's never boring. Seen it. I've read the book. I enjoyed the book. But the film to me was just a little slow and boring. So this is the version And that's of, implying that you haven't given the Jackie Chan version a shot <laughs> either. Then. I'm going to skip that one for now. Although uh, Arnold is in it, I hear. Um, this is the version of Around the World in 80 Days that I enjoy. It's okay. very – it's whimsical. It's light. And it has one of the most beautiful sequences in any film that I've ever seen. And the music has a lot – has a major role in that. So that's my number four. Hmm. What's your number three? My number three, uh, it goes back to the ocean. It's Finding Nemo. Ah, just, yes. Finding Nemo, it tugged at the heartstrings, and all of these do that. Um, maybe my number one doesn't, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But number three, yeah, Nemo with the whole um, just finding your family, uh, fish or friends, not food. Yeah. <laughs> I just and I and, and I have to I have to say, even through. Uh, the second Finding Nemo, and then and then <laughs> find, you got Finding Dory. The fish in the bags. Oh, <laughs> it's just been a running gag throughout. That those was films. funny. Yes, stay to I the. I think that's hilarious. Watch through the entire yeah. credits mm-hmm. in uh, Finding uh, Dory, Dory, and you'll see that. I, I thought it was so appropriate that they did that. <laughs> actually, and you know the only reason I noticed that scene. Is because I was watching the credits because I like to see who voiced which character. Sure, yeah. And I saw it was like Brad Garrett mm-hmm. and uh, um, Willem Dafoe, and I was like, I, they yeah. weren't in. They weren't in Finding Dory. And then if you wait until the very and end, the end that's the credits, where they are. That's where they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that's I a good really, one. I really love the seagulls. Yeah. In Finding Nemo. Mine. 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 Um, mine. So my. So, it's just so on spot. Yeah. With those characters. Oh. That is a good one. And for me, the best part of finding uh, Nemo is Albert Brooks. I'm a huge oh, Albert, I love Brooks, Albert, Brooks. Albert Brooks fan. Have yeah. you ever seen um, Defending Your Life? That is my favorite Albert Brooks film and one of my favorite great, movies. Great movie. One of the best romantic comedies you'll if you, ever see. If you, guys, if you guys have never seen that movie, all you people in listener land, if you haven't seen that movie, find it and watch it. It's rated PG. It is. Meryl Streep, Albert Brooks – yeah. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. One of my favorites. My number three has a three in the title. Oh. And it's Toy Story 3. Ah. And I am a little I'm, – I'm pretty torn, but uh, not I'm, – I'm more upset than torn on this because I really don't think there should be a Toy Story 4. I really don't they're want there it. to be. I know. I know they're I, writing it. And it's, it upsets me because – this is one of the most perfect endings to a story I have ever seen. Had the had a perfect send off with I all can, these I characters. Can the, I can see them wanting to do a sequ- uh, uh, another one, right? Because there's merchandising and no, yeah. no, no, no. I can see a story. Yeah, but for people of my age, mm-hmm. and and I'll give away my exact age because I was Andy's exact age. There you go. Toy ah. Story kept the continuity of the years between their movies, mm-hmm. along with actual real time that was passing. He was a small kid in Toy Story 1, and he was a little bit older in 2. They were only about two years apart when they were released. And then I graduated high school in 2010. Ah. The summer of 2010, as Andy's graduating high school and going off to college, was when that movie came out. And so as his toys are 
reaching Graduating. that climactic ending and as he's leaving and going away and trying to pass things down, I saw so much of myself and so much of my entire childhood going away and, and moving yeah. on to college myself. Yeah. And it just meant so that whole series means so much to me. I mean, yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned there are a handful of trilogies that I enjoy as one big story. This is one of – and I, I would break it down even further. There are only a handful of those handful that have a great ending. This yes. is one that I would consider to be a great ending. Um, the other one I think obviously would be uh, Lord of the Rings. However, mm-hmm. that one had about six different endings that they could wow. have ended it with. Pick your but favorite one. The book, yeah. the book does that though one. too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, now I can finally go to the bathroom. Nope, there's another scene. Anyway, so that's my number three. And uh, yeah, it gets me every time – I cry. I took to Facebook after I saw it this last time, Mm -hmm. and I said, what does it say about me that I cry at the end of Toy Story 3? Or I think I said, does anybody else uh, cry at the end of Toy Story 3? And I had lots of reactions, even from men who were like, yes, because you're a man. That's why you cried. It says you have a pulse and you have a heart. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's what it means. Okay. So what's your number two, Sean? I'm cheating with my number two. Okay. I'm throwing the whole Toy Story series no! in as number two. So yeah. you saved that, your five. But... <laughs> oh, cheater. Okay. I'm so... sorry. I think I think you could sit – I would take a whole day and watch all three. Oh, yes. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now it would not be as long as taking a whole day and watching the Lord of the Rings series, but – Okay. So I could see I could see sitting down and watching the Toy Story series one after the other. Oh, yeah. So, so many great characters, and we've talked mm-hmm. about several of these movies already, but who would you say is your favorite character in the Toy Story trilogy? Oh, geez. Um, I almost have to go with, with the man who is in every single Pixar movie that has been made. Oh, I love that. That's great. John Ratzenberger. Yeah. Porkchop. Yeah. I love I love that they're doing that. I think that he's best in the Toy Story movies. Oh, for sure. But that but then again, yeah. you know, in in the other ones, he he may be in there as like you know for five seconds. Right, and I think that's why he's best partially in in the Toy Story franchise because mm-hmm. he's actually has a part and he's not like a cameo. Exactly. Um, and they're starting to do that with Alan Tudyk. Oh, really? In the Disney movies. Oh. If you if you go back and you watch, so they started with um, what was the first one he was in? I don't know if it was Frozen. Or yeah, he I was think in Frozen. Was, he was yeah. one of the he was one was of the Frozen? male characters. Well, he was Frozen in... and Zootopia had that little shtick where in Frozen he played the Duke of Wesselton. Yes, yeah. Um, and Vessel. then yeah. <laughs> in Zootopia he was the Weasel. Yes, Weaselton. He was Duke. I think. Duke yeah, yeah. Weaselton. Duke yeah. So Weaselton, he yes. was in. Uh, he was in. What was it? Frozen. Yes. He was in Big Hero Six. He was in Zootopia. Where was he in Big Hero 6? Big Hero 6, he was Alistair, the the rich guy that you think is the villain. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was also in Moana. He had two. He was the chicken. He had two roles in Moana. He, he was rooster, the chicken. He was and the rooster. He was, he was uh, the rooster and the one of the villagers. Okay. So I think that what they're doing with him is doing the same thing that they're doing with John Ratzenberger and the Pixar films. Well, I, I just like John Ratzenberger. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. You know, Cliff, come on. Um, my number two, and I might have to go back and watch these films again because they might shift around a little bit. I would just have to put Toy Story 1 because it's okay. the film that started it all and it, it mm. started great. So you have to have a great beginning in order to have a good trilogy. So that's going to be my Definitely. number two. Okay. Yeah. And then I know for a fact our number one Are is going to be the same. So really? on the count of three, we'll say it. One, two, three. The, the Incredibles. Incredibles. Oh, yeah. Cole, you're number one too? Also, yeah. Yes. yes. That's... 
Brad Bird <sighs> as Edna Mode. Oh my goodness! Still to this day, cracks me up. Yes, I love that character, and uh, oh, it was it's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, really quickly, Incredibles was some of the most amazing animation you've ever seen. I can give you some Great recommendations characters. for stuff to see in the theaters after we come back. If you Let's want. do that. But I, really there's, there's really no argument. I think The Incredibles is oh, most people's definitely. number one Pixar film. And I'm so happy Brad Bird is on for number two. Yes. Hallelujah. Okay. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Sean O'Neill's really quickly going to give us uh, some recommendations for this weekend for your viewing pleasure. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We're speaking with Sean O'Neill, who is one of our movie critics here on the Matt Townsend Show, and he's going to give us a couple of quick recommendations for what we can go see over the weekend. Well, let me recommend not to go see Transformers. It was not was not screened for critics, so it could I, be the I, Citizen Kane of action movies, though, and you wouldn't know. Oh, yeah, right. Um, I, it, it, you know, there could be some good stuff in there. I have no idea. Michael Bay just doesn't. I don't think he wanted his his movie to be. Critiqued, yeah. So, okay. Anyway, other movies that are out right now, though, the Book of Henry. Uh, you got a tale of two movies here. The first half of the movie is much different than the second half of the movie. First half of the movie, you have a, a you've got this kid who runs his household. He does this. He does the finances and everything. Mom sits on the couch and plays video games. Mom played by Naomi Watts, and uh, in the middle of the movie, Henry, boom, gone, hmm. passes away. But Henry is so smart. He knows that his next-door neighbor is being abused by her stepfather. Oh. And he has a plan in a book on how to help her, and mom has to get that plan into action. That sounds That's interesting. the second half of the movie. It is kind of interesting, but then it's like, well, I was entertained, but I'm watching somebody stalk somebody with a gun. Should I, should I do that? No. Anyway, 47 Meters Down, shark movie. Not gratuitous like uh, some other shark movies with ladies in bikinis. Uh, this one was pretty good. Great twist at the end, I thought. Uh, but there are still some discrepancies in in how you're diving and doing stuff. And so, okay, so don't. Uh, yeah, they're pretty good. Don't go see uh, Transformers, but maybe go see The Book of Henry or yeah. the other one was forty seven forty seven meters down with Mandy Moore. Anyway, that's going to do it for the Matt Townsend Show today. Enjoy the rest of the programming today on BYU Media Football Day. Until Monday. Thanks. Bye.